resurrection of Jesus, there was one event that took place, and yet there would be two stories that would be told. The ladies were at the tomb. They saw the angel. They saw the empty tomb. And they left, and they told the story about how Jesus had resurrected. The guards were also there. They saw the angel. They saw the stone rolled away. They saw the tomb. And yet, as we see in our passage today, they would go on to tell a very different story. So today, as we contemplate this passage, I I just want to invite you to think about one question today, one very simple question. What is your story? There's a lot of stories that we'll hear in America today as we talk to different people. Uh, Some may say, Uh, I've heard that Jesus rose from the dead, and I've heard of the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny and read lots of fairy tales. I don't know if you've ever heard anybody with that kind of cynicism before, but I have. That's, That's one story we might hear. Here's another story you might hear. I've heard that Jesus rose from the dead. It's a good story. It helps a lot of people. But I don't need a religious crutch. Heard that story in college. Not all stories drip with this kind of cynicism. Some are worse. Some are characterized by this sheer apathy. They they sound something like this. Yes, I I know that Jesus died and rose from the dead, but, but I got a motorcycle. Believe it or not, I heard that story in Atlanta. A gentleman who's serious as a heart attack. He said, but, but I've got a motorcycle, meaning that Sunday was his day to ride. He didn't have time to gather in church, worship. That was an important day of leisure for him. And some stories reveal hearts that have been exposed to just enough of the gospel to inoculate them against the real thing. Here's how one of those stories might sound. Yes, I I love the story of Jesus. Me and my family go to church every Easter to celebrate. It's always such a nice service. So the question is, what is our story? Do, Do we believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead? And and how is that currently impacting? how we live. So let's look at the passage today, Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 11. And we see, we see the guards and how they developed their story. And as you listen to how this came about, I want to give you one more story. It's straight out of the Bible. It's the story of Peter and John, the two disciples that ran to the tomb and saw it empty as well. Their story is recorded in Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. It says, So they called them in and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. Now listen to this. Here's their story. For we cannot but speak of what 
we have seen and heard. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 11. Would you join me in standing as we read our text for today? It says, while they were going, meaning while the women who had believed were going to tell the other disciples, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Let's pray together. God, help us today to understand what took place between the guards, these Jewish leaders. And Father, I pray that we would not only just leave here with our own story, but that we would live it. Help us to be constantly talking about Jesus and what he has done for us. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the Bible makes it pretty clear that the guards knew what had taken place. In verse 11 that we just read, it says, while they were going, this is as the women are going, to tell one story, it says, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. I really, I really think that, that when we read this verse in context, we understand what's happening here. I really think this is, this is just one of the saddest verses in the Bible. That men who were eyewitnesses of the angel that came and rolled back the stone to reveal the empty tomb, men who knew exactly what had happened, refused to put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Do you remember the centurion that was in charge of the crucifixion? The Bible says that when he saw the earthquake and he saw the sky dark, he saw all the things and he watched Jesus die. And he said, surely this was the son of God. But not these guards. They saw everything that took place and they knew. The Bible tells us what the guards saw just a few verses earlier in verses 2 through 4 of this same chapter. It says, and behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. I've never been in an earthquake. Uh, the scariest uh, event that I've ever been in in terms of, of nature and world phenomenon, I was up in the mountains hiking when, when all of a sudden the storm came up, 70 mile an hour winds came through, and I had my, my kids, I had... Uh, my niece, my nephew, and trees started crashing down all around us. And I remember we were 
we were racing to get out of there and we got blocked in by one tree we we raced back i found an embankment and i got my car up as close as i could to the embankment and i thought if a tree falls here hopefully the embankment will keep us from completely crushing us and my nephew who says i do not have the gift of encouragement said kevin are, are we going to be all right and i said one way or another andrew we're going to be all right that wasn't the answer he was looking for it was pretty scary i don't know if you've ever heard i think during the in the ice storm people talk about hearing trees cracking popping we were there that day and we heard them and saw them falling all around us and it, it's it's frightening to be in a, in a space like that and those guards felt the earthquake i've never been in an earthquake but I just imagine that they may have had the same kind of fear. And if they weren't afraid yet, then the Bible says in verse 3 uh, about the appearance of this angel who had descended from heaven. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. I, I don't know what this was like. When it says that his appearance was like lightning, lightning just flashes for a second. But this angel remained and rolled back the stone. Could, could you be imagine if you've ever been up close to see a lightning strike? The Bible says that this angel, his appearance was like lightning. But unlike that quick streak that was come and then left, the angel remains and he rolls back the stone and they see it. And these, these men who are professional soldiers... These men who understand that in the Roman Empire, to guard anything meant to guard it with your life. The Bible says that they trembled and became like dead men. I don't know how you could witness this and not believe. The guards saw what had taken place. You and I, we, we have not seen, but we have heard. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul describes the, the telling and what would eventually become the retelling over and over and over again of this story, the story of the resurrection of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, it says, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The, the, the Bible tells us here that the gospel message, the good news, that Christ died for our sins and was buried and was raised. Paul was not an eyewitness of the crucifixion. Paul never heard Jesus preach. But Paul did see the risen Lord on the road to Damascus. And he said that this message, he didn't create it. He received it. And it's been passed on to each one of us. There's not a person in this room that's saved that did not benefit from a generation before us, passing along what they had heard. If you heard the gospel at all, 
you heard it from someone or you read it from somewhere. And we have heard this, this message. And even those who have not heard, I've been asked that question in my whole ministry. Pastor, what about those who have never heard? The Bible teaches us that there may be people who have not heard exactly what we have heard in such great detail. But there is no one who hasn't heard. In Romans chapter 1, listen to what the Bible says about this. It says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. We say, well, how have they been perceived? And it says, in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. What the Bible teaches us here is that we can all look around and we see order and we see beauty. I know that we also see evil and chaos, and the Bible tells us why, beginning in Genesis chapter 3, that man's rebellion against God is what brought the world into its current state, a state different from the state in which he first created it. But even in all man's sin and rebellion, we've not been able to erase the hand of God on the creation. The guards that day, they saw the angel. They watched the stone be rolled back. And they saw into an empty tomb. But you and I today, we have, we have, we have heard as well. So the guards knew exactly what had taken place. The chief priests and the elders, they're on a whole different level from the soldiers. They knew the truth, and they actively worked to cover it up. Notice verse 12, what it says. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So these people hear the story and they actively work to suppress it. Do you know that the chief priests and the elders, they're, they're not the only ones to suppress the truth. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, uh, the Bible speaks about these people who have seen and who know. And it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, just one verse before where we began re reading a moment ago. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, uh, no, notice this, suppress the truth. So these people knew the truth, but yet they... They suppress the truth. When I first started out in ministry, I, I, was, uh, uh, I was just a lot more naive and dumb than I am today even. I know that's hard to believe, but uh, there, was, there was a time that I was in worse shape than I am now. And when people told me 
why they weren't in church. I thought they were being honest. And I remember this first church that I served and I wasn't the pastor, I was on staff and, and uh, I talked to different people in the community and, and uh, they, they said, you know, they, this is why they didn't go to church and they had been down there and this had happened. And, and so, man, I just went on a mission and I went and fixed that and changed it. And I went back and I said, hey, we got this worked out. You know, I know you hate the green carpet, but we put in the red carpet you asked for. And they say, well, it's not the right shade. You know, they're, and I'm making up the carpet, but it was about that silly. And I began to hear excuse after excuse after excuse. And I began to realize that none of these things had anything to do with why they, they weren't really in church or serving the Lord. You see, I, I believe that there's a time in our life when God reveals himself to us. A time when he speaks to us and he draws us. It, it might begin in nature or it might begin in the words of a family member, or it might take place in a service, in a sermon. I remember the, the time in my life when, when for the very first time, a, a light came on for me and I, I understood. Uh, I, was, I was raised in church, I liked church. Church was very pleasant for me. My grandparents went there, all their friends went there. They were just super nice to me. My, my idea of church was just a great place to meet nice little ladies who would give you candy and there was great cookies and, and Kool-Aid at Vacation Bible School and we made all these really nice things with little popsicle sticks and, and I, just, I just really liked, I really liked church. It was just a really nice place. But I didn't understand what it was about or why we were there until I was nine years old. And we had a, uh, a young preacher come and preached revival that week and he started on Sunday morning and he went through Friday night and, and I just, I really liked him. He was really interesting. I just continually listened. And on Sunday morning, I don't remember the sermon, but I'm sure it was a great sermon knowing him. I, I, I still didn't understand. And Sunday night I came and I still didn't understand. I, I remember him talking about how the Lord had blessed him and provided for him as a full-time evangelist. I still remember that to this day. Monday night, I heard him. It's just all right. I mean, I, Tuesday night, I came, sat through the whole service. I, I still didn't really quite understand. And then on Wednesday night, I still remember a story that he told that God used just to turn a light on inside of me. And I remember knowing for the first time that I needed to be saved. I didn't respond. And I went home that night. I rode with my grandparents back to the house. And it was, it was different from any car ride I'd ever had before. Because on this particular occasion, I, I knew and understood, one, that Christ was returning. And that I needed to respond to him, and yet I had not. And it was Friday of that week, the very last service. And I came forward. And I gave my life to Christ. Everybody has a different story. Not everyone was raised in church. Not everybody even has a Bible-believing church in their community. 
But I believe there's a moment when God speaks into everyone's life. And we have to make a decision whether we're going to listen to that voice or whether we're going to suppress the truth. See, Pastor, why would anybody suppress the truth? There's a lot of reasons. One, because they don't want to conform to it. That's one reason people suppress the truth. They know it's true and they know it's right, but they don't want to conform to it. I've seen people my whole life who claimed to believe things until all of a sudden that thing applied to them and then all of a sudden it was okay to do that. I've had people sit in my office, I just can't count how many times, and justify their sin to me, try to get me to give me their bless, my blessing and condone what they were doing. And none of us can do that. The Bible applies to us all. The truth is consistent and God is calling us to conform ourselves to the image of his son. We don't have the option of conforming Jesus to our image. We must conform to, to his image. So there's a lot of reasons why people know what is right, but yet don't want to embrace it. One, they don't want to conform to it. Uh, two, uh, people are not stupid. People know that following Jesus comes at a cost. And they don't want to pay that price of sacrifice or change. They don't want to give up pet sins. There's a lot of reasons that people today do exactly what the chief priests did. They know the truth, but they suppress it instead of embracing it. Do you know what would happen if one of those priests had openly professed his faith in Christ? He would have lost all power and all status. He would have gone from being one of the rulers of Israel to one of the members of that little outcast band of disciples of Jesus. And for some, it was a price that was just too high to pay. Not for all. Remember Joseph of Arimathea, member of the Jewish high council who came forward at the death of Jesus, asked for his body, buried it with great respect, and outed himself as a believer in Christ. When you know the truth, you need to embrace it and follow it. When it comes to the resurrection, the, the story that you tell, it will, it will reveal your character as a person. In verse 15, it says, so they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Uh, verse 15, they took the money and did as they were directed. You see, the soldiers had a price. So the question I'd really ask you to think about this morning is, you know, what is your price? Is it convenience, wealth, leisure time, to be liked by people? If you're going to follow Jesus, there are going to be times we've got to sacrifice all those things to follow Jesus. I can tell you following the Lord is definitely going to cut into your leisure time. 
if you follow the Lord, there's going to be times in your life that you're just going to be hated. And, and that's, tr- that's just true for every disciple. You say, Pastor, there's just not a person in this world that hates me. Well, you just, if you keep telling the story of Jesus, you're going to encounter some. It's going to cost you money. The Lord may call you to give up different things. But Jesus, Jesus is worth it. He's that pearl of great price that he talked about in the parable. He's that treasure hidden in the field. He is worth whatever we must give up in this life to follow and pursue. And I want you to notice one last thing before we close. This is incredibly important. Your story, whether you understand this or not, your story will impact countless other people. Listen to what it says about the soldiers. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. There's no telling how many people dismissed the preaching of the resurrection because they believed the false story concocted by the chief priests and told by the soldiers. I encounter people all the time that that really just kind of want to be neutral in life. They just want to do their thing, fly under the radar, be left alone. But life doesn't work that way. But we can't help but affect those around us. And so I want you to understand that people are watching you. Your children, your grandchildren, your coworkers, your neighbors. People are watching and they're listening. And your story or the lack thereof will have a great impact on their life. Today, we could talk for hours of examples of people that God has used that through their life and their testimony to bring hundreds and in some cases thousands of people to faith in Christ. Your story about the resurrection is probably more important than you ever stop to contemplate on. So today, I hope that your story will be that you believe that Christ changed you, that he was worth falling at any cost. And today in faith, you're longing to see his return. That's my story. And I hope it'll become yours as well. Let's pray together. Father, we just give thanks today that there were others who believed and who told about the resurrection of Jesus. Lord, if there's anybody here today, anybody that's listening, maybe in the past they've never understood. Maybe in the past they've even suppressed the truth that they did understand. God, today, give them the faith, give them the courage to follow you with all their heart. Lord, for those of us that believe, make us bold witnesses so that we might impact others to come into your kingdom 
and to follow you. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Today, as we close in, in song, I want to invite you to respond to the Lord. I, I, I don't know if you're saved or not. I mean, I, I look around this room and I see a lot of people that see all kinds of fruit. I, I know they're saved, but I, I don't know about every single person here. And I'll be honest, I, I've gotten to the point that I can't even clearly see who sits in the back anymore. So you might even be here and I don't even know you're here. So I'm not going to assume that everybody here at an 830 service has put their faith and trust in Christ. But I do believe this with all my heart. There's no reason why you can't today. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for you. And when he rose from the dead, he conquered death for you so that our hope is not just in this life alone. One day the Lord's going to return and he's going to resurrect us. We're going to see a new and a glorious body, the Bible says, a body like his. He has a home prepared for us in which we'll experience what God first intended this creation to be, peace, harmony, and fellowship with God. Now, you don't deserve to go there because you've sinned. That's the reason I don't deserve to go there either. But that's why Jesus died, was to pay for your sin. And so this morning, I want to invite you to accept that payment on faith and receive his forgiveness. One prayer, sincerely prayed from your heart, asking for forgiveness and committing your life to follow Christ, could change your future for all eternity. If you need help making that decision today, when we begin to sing, I want you to come meet me at the front and I'll help you pray. Maybe here today and you put your faith in Christ and you say, Pastor, your story is my story, but my story is a private story. The Lord did not call any of us to be private about our witness to him. We must tell other people. We must try to influence other people to come to faith in him and to share the faith and the hope that we have. So today, I want to encourage you. Just examine your heart and say, God, do I need to tell my story more? Do I need to tell my story different? And God will speak to you and he'll help you and he'll empower you if you'll trust in him. So however you need to respond to the Lord, right now is the time to do that as we sing. Let's stand together.